Well, hey, welcome back to the podcast. We are a week late. We are a week late. <laughs> yeah, we're a week late. Um, long story, we don't want to give away any spoilers, but we were supposed to have a really awesome guest with us last week. It ended up falling through in the last second for just a number of different reasons. So we're not going to spoil that, but there is a potential that in the future, hopefully in the next few months, we might be able to have this guest on. Um, because of that, we didn't get anything uh, recorded last week. So right. we are sorry for that. And it's been a rough year trying to get a schedule. Like, you know, it has. At yeah. the beginning of our podcasting, it was way easier than I thought. Right. So it was super easy just to have every, because at first we were just like, well, we'll just do it every other week and see, right. but it ended up being like, we can just do this every week. It was easy and it was fun right. and it still is fun, right. um, but the schedule has been a little bit wackier. So we might have yes. to think about doing something. I know some podcasts will record two or three episodes at a time right. to try to get ahead. And so maybe we should try to start, um, especially if there's a week or two that we are able to, to kind of work ahead just to kind of give us some buffer right give things. us some room for sure but, but hey we're here now yes episode 27 i think it's 27 yeah, yeah. <laughs> so 27 so this week we thought it'd be fun um we're gonna do the midwest moments here in a second but oh the okay so p- part one of this episode not part one i guess First thing to note, we're in a completely different location. We are. So we are a different state. Completely different state. Yeah. <laughs> so we are actually in Arkansas right now. Little Rock, Arkansas. Yep. Um, North Little Rock. Uh, yeah, technically think, North Little Rock. I think Rock. North Little Rock yeah. is, is the technical um, place that we are at. We're actually in an Airbnb right now in this really awesome. Super nice. Nice place. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Fantastic. Yeah. It's a great Airbnb, especially like for the same price that you would get a hotel for this. It's like, it's not even close. Right. Um, but we're actually recording in this little living room. It's awesome. And yeah. I actually think it sounds better than our studio at home. So <laughs> I think it does. I, well, you know, <laughs> might have to see if we can come back here multiple times a year. To, but yeah, so we're in Arkansas because we are actually at a um, we're going to be at a conference with yep. some great speakers, John Tyson, Sky Jatani, Joe Saxton, Leland is leading worship. So this is going to be an incredible, awesome be. conference. Um, I won tickets to this. You did. And I benefited. I, yeah. And you benefited. <laughs> I, my, my wife says that I'm the, one of the luckiest people ever. You really are. You've won quite a few stuff. Yeah. It's like, not just because I married her, <laughs> but because I've won all the, I've won tickets to sports games. I've won books, coffee mugs. The great, Bob Ross. I was going to say, that might be the greatest one, the Bob Ross Yeah, the Bob basket. Ross gift basket. Oh, man, it was <laughs> great. Fantastic. I couldn't find them. I was going to pack. I have a pair of socks with Bob Ross's face on them, and they're man. they're actually incredibly comfortable. Oh, really? But I couldn't find them before I left, so they're, they're not here. You but, know you've made it when you got Bob Ross socks. But yeah, so <laughs> this week we're going to just kind of, it's going to be one of our, we've only done one other episode like this, but it's going to be kind of the... Um, like pothole buffet, like we're just gonna kind of yeah. talk about anything and anything that comes up, and um, it'll be faith related, at least some of it. Hopefully, <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna kind of talk about whatever comes up in conversation, and uh, we'll yeah. see how it goes. But. I do want to share. This isn't my Midwest moment, but so I was in Arkansas a couple months ago. Of course, we recorded Casey, interviewed him, right? And I did not even think about this, but when I was in Arkansas last time. I was explaining to a couple people I met there, like, oh, yeah, we do a podcast, Pothole Pastors. And I overheard somebody asking my youth pastor, KC, 
what a pothole is because I didn't know what it was. Wow. And I thought, well, that makes sense. In Arkansas, they don't get much snow. Like their winters aren't like ours in Indiana. So they probably don't get potholes. Yeah. But just like the fact of, oh my goodness, you don't know what a pothole is, like just boggled my mind. That's incredible. <laughs> I never once even considered that people wouldn't know what that is. Right. You know, so I... We know when we made this podcast in this name, we thought it was incredibly relevant because right. it's like, oh, yeah, the Midwest. Everyone knows there's potholes everywhere in the right. Midwest, you know, but apparently not like in the art and technically Arkansas, I think is. Is it Midwest? Is it Midwest? I It feels like South to me. It does but feel like South. I feel like maybe it's not. Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to look I'm at not the. Sure. Yeah, I, I don't. It might be because Missouri's technically Midwest and we're. That's obviously true. south of that hold on i'm gonna confirm this adam you keep talking like <laughs> yeah but man i could not believe it but i mean it makes sense well i remember when we went to indonesia for a mission trip and obviously it's like 70 80 there all year long and their roads are nice well not all the roads but like some of their roads you it is know, not it is not okay yeah. so we're technically sense. we're even we're not even in the midwest recording this episode we shouldn't even be doing this yeah right what now. are we even doing <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's that must be nice not having to live with potholes watching where you're driving all the yeah, time yeah <laughs> wow it's so when we went out to arizona a few years ago um hannah and i it was our first anniversary went to the grand canyon and it was kind of conjunctured with a work trip out to arizona in phoenix and we went out there and we were driving going down a hill and it said rough road ahead and so whenever you see that in Indiana, man, you slow down. Brace You're yourself. Like, brace yourself. <laughs> well, we drove for miles and we never felt anything. Nothing. <laughs> and I'm like, where was the rough road? You know, but like their definition of rough road cannot be anywhere close to what my definition yeah. <laughs> from Indiana, especially now that we're getting kind of, we're moving out of the winter season. It's still winter technically, right. but we're beginning to move into more of the springer, springer, more springtime. Spring yeah, Jerry Springer. No, uh, oh, but gosh. like, yeah, no, not in this podcast, <laughs> not in this Christian podcast. We are not doing that. But no, so like we move into the more um, warmer temperatures, you know, right. like not getting this much snow, stuff like that. And we can begin to get a bunch of potholes. Like even oh, right yeah. now, Muncie is beginning to become more and more litter. And it's not just Muncie. It's all over Indiana. Right. Oh, Indiana does not, I'm not really sure what's going on with Indiana because we go to, I mean, Illinois was kind of bad. Right. But I've been to like Ohio, Kentucky, um, Michigan during times like that. Right. And their roads are perfect and they don't fall apart. So I'm not sure who yeah. I need to vote for in Indiana <laughs> to get something done about these roads. But I agree. it's yeah. definitely, you can't tell me that Minnesota, who gets way more snow than us, right. has potholes all the time because like no one ever knows about it. You know what I mean? So it's like... Right. Yeah. I don't get it. It's uh, and the thing, it's like a like a guessing game. Like each day, where's the new pothole gonna be? Because it right. kind of shows up like when you don't expect it. Like, your your levels of alertness when you drive in Indiana are high. Are high. You're <laughs> yes. like off the chart. You know, like because like one day the road could be fine, and the next day, like where'd this pothole come from? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I was in uh uh well obviously in Muncie, but I was more on the south side a couple of days ago. And we had to go on this side street because I was with somebody from church. Oh, my goodness. I mean, granted, it's a side street, like neighborhood, but it's got to be the worst street I've ever seen. Okay, like, I'm going to Midwest you there Oh, <laughs> because you said granite. It's uh, granted. Grant, did I say granite? Yeah. So <laughs> many people in the Midwest just say, now granite. 
<laughs> no, it's granted. Granted. Oh. It's a neighborhood street. But um, but oh my goodness. One of the worst streets I've ever seen. Like you can't go over ten miles an hour on this street. Yeah. Potholes no. every I mean, like it's not even a street hardly. Like it was terrible. But oh, that's so frustrating. There's some spots in Muncie that's like you know, you have the road that was paved over brick roads. Oh yeah. And then even the brick is beginning to pop. Yeah. So those are I mean Oh, that's bad. Those are like like minefields. You right. know, it's just, if you want to keep your car, don't go down those roads, basically. <laughs> right. you know? But yeah, so we're in Arkansas. The weather is fantastic here. It's like sixty sixty five degrees, oh, sunny. My uh you know, Hannah, my wife, she messaged me this morning said oh it's like 38 and snowy here and i'm like no it is 65 and yeah, sunny here i I'll, so nice. I'll take this weather it's not humid yeah. um which you know you can't really be very humid at 65 but right it's yeah it's great nice very nice but we do have midwest moments we do oh so adam what's yours yeah so mine is <laughs> it kind of reminds me of a uh, Parks and Rec episode where they have all the the emergency day like scenario. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. And they have to like fake kill the birds. You'll understand why I brought that up <laughs> by my article. Um, so yeah, my article is thunderstorm in Missouri, which I think it's probably the same storms from the tornado that hit Tennessee this past week. Um, kills more than one thousand birds in one town. Officials say dead birds everywhere. So this is kind of eerie. So it's actually in Sykeston, Missouri, which we like drove. Yeah, we just drove through that. Yeah, just drove yesterday. Through but it says strong winds are being blamed for mass casualty event in the sky. It says officials in Missouri said that guests from a thunderstorm or gusts, not guests. That sounds weird. <laughs> guests from a thunderstorm. Yeah, that sounds like an awesome band name. <laughs> that <though>. does. <laughs> guests from a thunderstorm. <laughs> Sounds like a rock band. Um, on Sunday night, caused the deaths of more than a thousand birds, all of them in uh, Sykeston, which is like the southeast part of Missouri. But it says between eight and nine p.m. on Sunday, uh, reports were being called in of like people were hearing birds like hit the ground, like outside their houses, oh, like so multi- weird. Yeah, which is very weird. This is like the Alan Hitchcock movie, you know? Yeah, like, is that that's who it is, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 birds or whatever it's called. Yeah, but um. Yeah, different kinds of birds, like red-winged blackbirds, like the crow birds, like different types of birds. But anyways, um, it's believed that um, so like, I'm I'm not like a animal scientist or recall, but I think according to the article, like during storms, birds will like more like flock together, which makes sense, you know, during like sure. severe weather. So I they mean, th- families do that, right? Yeah, you know, if there's a tornado, at least in the Midwest. <laughs> Oh, you, know, you go into the innermost room, your closet, your toilet room, not your toilet, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I meant your bathtub. I mean, if you're desperate, I guess. So. The bathtub. I mean, I guess you could try to get in the toilet. I'm not sure how well it's going to help you, but you need a big toilet. <laughs> That's a huge toilet. Uh, but um, but anyway, so they think what happened is, is that the birds decided to maybe flock to a safer area from where they were. And got caught up in the high winds mm. and then got too high in the atmosphere and just, you know, got knocked out and fell to the ground and that's how they died. Wow. So, yeah, it's like one person said they saw like 60 dead birds. Like that's how many birds they picked up. Like it's oh. one police officer said it's such an eerie like sight, which I can imagine like all these dead birds. So they think that they couldn't recover in flight and just fell to the ground. And so some of them were still alive when they found them. They were just really injured and some were dead. So. Wow. But I thought, man, that's... I'd be so eerie weird. to come across I that would. and have to deal with it. Right. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, man. So and it, then, I mean, 
talk about you know the coronavirus is going around, but then it's right. like, what about bird flu? Like, is that still right. a thing? I don't even know. I think so. I don't know. Yeah, I remember my grandma when that was like a big thing right. years ago. She wouldn't even let us go outside, and like if we like you know sometimes you'd find those feathers. Oh yeah, on the ground, and like if we picked them up, she would like <laughs> rush us inside and wash our hands. Sure. Couldn't play in the leaves because birds would like defecate on them and oh, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, couldn't do anything like that. So. Uh, have you ever gotten pooped on by a bird? Actually, yes, I have. I get, yeah, during a run, and I think I was in high school, I got pooped on. Yeah, I was running. Um, it was a practice day, and luckily, I had my hood up. It was a cold day, mm. and running in the, like you know the late fall. It was pretty cold, and I felt something hit the top of my hood, uh, and it just got a little bit on my forehead. It wasn't much, yeah. you know. But I was just thinking, oh man, if I didn't have my hood on. Oh, they got in your hair. It would have just been, yeah, it was gross. Oh, oh man. It, yeah. There's nothing like being pooped on. Like a bird. <laughs> it's just so gross and almost like violating and almost like, it's almost like Russian roulette every time you go under birds. It's like, right. well, and it's, well, you're bound to be pooped on at some point in your life. And it's you know? runny usually. Oh, it's yeah. Like, it's gross. It's really, really gross. It's gross. So that's my Midwest moment. So. Oh, well, mine is Ohio just gets all these Ohio's weird, man. So I'm sorry if you're an Ohio listener, but y'all are nuts. But okay, so well, they are the Buckeyes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Hold on, which button is it? I don't remember. <laughs> that deserves the clap. No, I do no, have to say it is, does not deserve a clap. Uh Pastor's wife got a new clock in her office and Pastor was hanging it up. And um, I'm like, man, just like clockwork. <laughs> oh, okay. That was pretty bad. Anyway, Ohio. This is from Ohio. Yours was from Missouri. Yep. Ohio police remove alligator living. Okay. So then, okay. Just the way this was phrased was weird. Ohio police removes alligator living in man's basement for 25 years. Holy cow. 25 years. Did he not know it? No, he knew it. Oh, he knew it. So police were recently called to an Ohio home to remove a large alligator that had been living in the basement for 25 years. Um, Ohio police see a lot, but rarely, if ever, do they encounter an alligator, according, or especially one measuring five feet long. Wow. So, so he's a big guy. Big boy. Oh, I, I just like... How, how did he not do anything? Like, did it take him 25 years to... Like, he knew about it? Like for that long? Well, or? hold on. So let's get. Uh, so explain that. Okay. I'm I'm just stuck on the part where it says Ohio police see a lot, but rarely, if ever, do they encounter an alligator. I'm like, okay, but what's the rarely? Is like there more than you know? Is like <laughs> in Ohio. Ohio like a secret hotbed for black market like <laughs> alligators? Uh, anyway, it says I've been a police over 17 years and I've never come across an alligator. So Madison Township Patrol Commander Daryl Brenneman. Um, he's like, I've never come. And I'm like, well, you're in Ohio, so that's Makes not really sense. very surprising. But um, he said the police got a call on Friday from the paramedics saying that they just responded to a home in Groveport and they could not believe what they saw in the basement. Um, so the alligator was living in a tub like like structure with water and a sup pump. Um, okay. Its owner, Dusty Rhodes, which, of course, his name is Dusty Rhodes, <laughs> um, he that he got his pet reptile alligator named Allie. So it was a pet. It was a pet named Allie. Alligator. Allie. Allie the alligator. Sounds like a Disney channel. From a reptile flea market. What is that? (laughs) 
That sounds that sounds very Midwest. What is? Yeah, no kidding. Like, <laughs> oh, what is a reptile flea market? A reptile you know, flea market. It, that's just that's that's phenomenal to me. So it says I got him when he was about a foot long, and I've had him ever since. This is what Dusty said. Uh, so he said he was in possession of the alligator without an exotic animal permit, which apparently that's a thing too. That's interesting. An exotic animal permit but an avoided being cited after agreeing to voluntary sur- voluntarily surrender the alligator to the state wildlife officials. So apparently this guy, I mean, apparently you're allowed to have an alligator or exotic animals if you get a permit, Why would but, this, you want but this that? guy didn't have it. Oh my. But he didn't get any charges because he surrendered it, hmm. um, which that's kind of seems shady. It's like you broke the law for like 25 years. Right. And you can just be like, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I, I'll surrender. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's, yeah, that, is weird. that seems a little shady. Yeah. Um, but it says Allie, the alligator <laughs> will eventually have a new home at an alligator sanctuary hmm. in Myrtle beach, South Carolina. So like, apparently there's an alligator sanctuary. It's like, what is the story? How, like how do they transport the alligator? I wonder. No, I have no idea, <laughs> but it doesn't say, but it says they kind of grow up to the size of their enclosure. So he's oh. not he's not even his full potential yet because oh he. Oh my goodness! Um, so he's like they're lucky they're uh, excited to see where he grows into. So after twenty five years, he can still grow. Apparently, wow! I mean, they said that he hasn't that. reached his potential yet. So uh, I mean, apparently he can. That's crazy. Yeah. So there's a. Uh, so if you have an alligator in your basement currently, you better get your. Was this guy married? I'm assuming. Maybe it not. didn't say. Can you imagine if you had kids? Like, don't go down the basement, kids. <laughs> yeah, I just, like yeah, I, I don't know that if this is, guy, I mean, he's, I mean, 25 years, he's at least, I mean, at least 25 years old, but you got to imagine he's probably he's 40 or 50, 50 is probably, right, you know, like, right. that's, oh, that's interesting. At least, you know, so yeah, it's, uh, well, that's Midwest moment for sure. That's oh, back with a bang, man. Allie the alligator. Allie the alligator. Like, that sounds like a cartoon on some. It really does. Yeah. Disney channel or something like. Yeah. Or like <laughs> PBS or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. So I'm going to come around to something. Okay. I'm, I'm bringing up another story. It's not a Midwest story. Um, but I want to bring it up because I think it brings up an interesting topic. So okay. I was telling you this morning, I was reading an article about, um, there's like this vegan runner. Yes. And so she's somewhere in California. I can't remember. I don't have the article in front of me. It, it's somewhere in California. You know, gotcha. she's a, like they say self-proclaimed vegan runner. So apparently like she makes a big deal about it. Like she's vegan, she's runner, she's fit. She's doing all these things. Yeah. And, and I don't think this actually went through. But she was running um, through a neighborhood, through whatever, sidewalks, running trails, and she could smell meat that was being cooked <laughs> on the grills, through the windows, right. all those things. And she said that it was very overwhelming and it was offensive to her because she was a vegan. So I'm not, I'm not making jabs at veganism. That's not what I'm doing. I'm, I'm coming around. Right. And so she, so she issued out like these requests. I don't know if it was like through a newspaper or radio door to door. I don't know. I don't know how she did it, but, um, essentially asking if people who, if they were cooking their meats, if they would be courteous of those who don't eat meat, vegans or vegetarians and cook their meat with their windows closed and only cook vegetables on their grills (laughs) so that, so that they didn't, you know, offend the people who, yeah. And so, Obviously, that's ridiculous. That's like this may be a terrible analogy, but it just popped in my head. That would be like because I grew up around Amish. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't drive cars because they don't believe in it. That'd be like 
uh, we don't want to smell the gas from your car. Sure, <laughs> you sure. I mean? I mean, it's a little different. But. And so obviously that's a ridiculous request right. because they're not, you know, the vegans aren't even like a majority of a, of a culture. Right. It's like they're a very small minority of people that have, um, and sometimes, you know, have to eat that way based on a diet or a restriction, right. but many times a chosen path. You choose the lifestyle. You know, you choose it. You yeah. know, most of the time, not always. I understand that you know, that's right. always true. But like allergies and stuff. Right. Yeah. So, but it is a little bit of a ridiculous request of like right. people buy grills to cook meat on. Right. You know, it's like, I mean, of course you can do vegetables and stuff too, but you, you can't very easily grill inside. You know, the grills right. are made to be outside and it's, it's, just, it's not very realistic or fair to impose that on the, on all of culture when they don't live to those, right. Those standards of veganism. Right. You know, I, I understand that would be ideal for this vegan lady. Right. But that's just real unrealistic. But it got me thinking, how is this any different when like Christians want to pass laws? Excuse you. Thank you. Whew, I was building up. He didn't fart. He sneezed, but it kind of sounded like a <laughs> it fart. Was a but sneeze. It, but, it, but he did sneeze. <laughs> but um, but how is that different than Christians that want a law or a policy or mm, something? Okay, yeah. You know, I'm being a, I'm maybe being edgy here. Hey, but how is it. that any different than you know saying like we want this law passed, this policy put in place that really benefits Christianity? Right, but not so much everybody else around. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know what your thoughts on that are with that because it seems kind of like a similar thing. Like you know, to us, we're like, well, that's ridiculous because not everybody's. A, but it's like okay, right. but not everybody's a Christian. Right. So should they be forced into a Christian worldview and and like w- framework? Right. I think it's ridiculous for Christians to expect non-Christians to live a Christian lifestyle, you know, because like obviously they don't believe the same values we do. We wish they did, you right. know. And so I think Christians shouldn't be surprised when somebody does something that is against what we believe. It's like, well, they don't live by the same set of values. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like uh, like somebody in the mafia. You don't really expect them to live by the good virtue values that every normal human being does. You know what I'm saying? like you don't agree with it but it's they don't live by that kind of code you know and so you know you hope they do you can live an example that you know what it's supposed to be that you wish they did but I don't think to me forcing a lifestyle on somebody is not what love looks like right you know I mean Jesus never forced you know anything on anybody you know and so to me it's like if you're forcing people to try and live a certain lifestyle that's almost like to me. That's not selfless. That's selfish. Because then you want them to be what you think is a perfect model of what this life should look like. You know. So I don't know. I it's very. I don't really. I mean, yeah. I wish people would. You know. Obviously, what I believe. I wish more people believed. But right. I get that not everybody's going to be like that. Right. Yeah. And and I thought I thought I go back and forth with it because it's like, you know, we talk about. A lot of, you know, a lot of, especially on the conservative side of America, that if we just had a Christian politician in office, if we have a, well, some people say we do, I'm not going to touch that one. But, <laughs> you know, but, it, you know, it's like if we had all the right people in here, then we could right. pass these laws that, you know, bring in God's rule and things like that. Which, but, which frustrates me. 
Right, because well, right. like for a couple reasons, like right. for, for me, and I'll, I'll let you speak to that here in a second. But like to me, it's like okay, Jesus really didn't come to institute a democratic republic. Right, you know, he's bringing his kingdom, and his kingdom's already here. And I think that's kind of the point of Acts one eight when it talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit to be a witness to. So in a lot of ways, I feel like the disciples get a bad like vibe in this passage because mm-hmm. they're like Jesus are going to restore the kingdom now. Yeah. And we always kind of be like, "Oh, the disciples, they never got it." You know, they were always looking and and honestly, I think that was an incredibly intelligent question yeah. because they were looking at what Jesus was doing and he's like, "Hey, he's fulfilling these messianic promises in these scriptures. Right. Are you are you doing this now?" Right. And they still they did have an expectation of like an earthly government ruling kingdom and that's right. coming. Right. You know, Scripture very clearly points to that later. Right. But Jesus didn't necessarily say no. He's like, hey, that's not for you to know the times and places of things, but you will receive power mm. when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses to all of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the earth. So right. in a sense, Jesus is like, yes, but not how you think. Right. So yes, but not in the way you're thinking. I'm going to send you out to be my witnesses, and that's going to advance the kingdom and I, a lot of times I feel like we want these policies passed that give us security, that make right. us feel comfortable, so it's easier. And it's almost like a shortcut, um, because in a lot of ways, the government's replaced what the church always did throughout history. Yeah. So um, the universities, um, hospitals, food banks, all those things, that used to be all church-ran things, you right. know, schools. Like, I yeah. think that was something that's, like, not that... Christianity like invented necessarily, but that they kind of help promote and bring about they have these their things. Hand in. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And now it's like, you know, welfare, um, government assistant, I mean, all these things, like the government takes care of it. Right. And it's almost like we've relegated a responsibility to other people when like the mission of the church has never changed, but we've kind of like we've passed the baton to right. someone else. It's kind of funny how many people will either bash the government or say how dissatisfied they are, but yet they tend to lean on the government a lot. Isn't that ironic? Very ironic, yeah. It always frustrates me because I've heard people growing up, yeah, if we get this Supreme Court person in and like this law passed, it's like, man, Jesus never came down to earth to become Caesar. That was not his goal. Like politics was not his avenue. And I mean, and I'm not saying you can't do good through politics. Because right, he know? did engage. He did like, engage. Because right. the gospel in and of itself was a political statement. Right. You know, so the gospel, like Jesus didn't invi- invent that word. Right. That was a word that was like hijacked, you know, kind of through the language of, you know, so Caesar would come and he would proclaim his gospel of like, here's right. the good news. Like this new king is here. Here's right. here are like like if you like as your Caesar, I'm gonna give you this and this and this and this. And so Jesus in the New Testament and the writers hijack that term and say, This is God's gospel, God's good news. Right. You know, so I mean it, that was already political and an aversive statement. So yeah. the Bible's not anti political. Like, you know, I think it's not, well, let's just leave politics out of this. It's like, no, we have to engage. Right. But in a biblical way, like our Bible our our Christianity, our theology, our belief informs our politics, not our politics inform our beliefs. Right. You know? Yeah. Politics should only be an avenue that you use. Right. You know, it's a vehicle. It's a vehicle, just like the church. 
church is not the end all, you right. know, it should be just a vehicle, like your ministry, as good as it may be, it should be just a vehicle to reach people for the gospel. Right. And so, yeah, I agree. It, it just frustrates me when I see people, they put all their effort into politics and it, it kind of saddens me a lot because it's like, man, you're kind of wasting a lot of your energy to where it could be spent just loving your neighbor. That's the whole kicker of the thing. People will like, they'll call senators, they'll write letters. And I'm not saying that's bad. You know, that has its place. Right, right. But like they will put so much energy into that where it can almost become an idol. And yet at the same time, they can neglect the person living right next to them. Right. You know, and to me, that's a big tragedy because man, the person you're closest to that you can have a deep influence on, you're just completely ignoring right. and putting your effort towards something that maybe even hardly puts a debt in, you right. know? Well, I think like, you know, growing up and, and we all do this, it doesn't matter if you're from a more conservative side, a more liberal side, a Christian side, non-Christian side, we all do this in society, but we paint broad brushes of people, right? you know, that, oh, like anybody that believes this way, you know, um, you must be, if you're a Trump supporter, you must be like this. Or if you're a, you know, Bernie supporter, you must be like this. And we just assume we know people, but we never actually talk to them and listen to their story. I'd be really interested, like, for anybody who leans more democratic, have you ever actually went and talked to somebody who, you know, we talked to, and we kind of listened to this um, from a podcast yesterday, but it was such a really good thing of like, have you ever talked to somebody from an opposing political party, mm -hmm. people that may disagree with you and ask them, why do you believe that's the way to go? Like, right. uh, and, you know, and then be able to share, not to try to, to argue or convince each other, but to understand you know, I think like there's a, there's been a lot of people throughout my life. Like I have friends that are in the LBGT community and I have friends that are not Christians and they're, uh, I have friends who are Muslim and mm -hmm. other things, you know, it's, and it's like, obviously I pray for them and I, and I long for them to accept the biblical framework that I believe the Bible lays out. Right. But they, if I believed everything that like media or even a broad stroke would say about these people I wouldn't have a very good picture of them, but I heard their story. I've heard them, and I think very differently of them. But when we don't hear people's stories, they're just another, they're not real. Right. You know, they're just people. But then once you hear someone's story, they become human to, to us. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. There's, um, so CBS has like Sunday morning show. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I don't watch it because. <laughs> Right, you're at church, church right? yeah. But um, but they have they put like little clips on YouTube. But usually it's human interest stories, and a lot of times they will focus on celebrities. But they'll talk about something in their life. So like they did one on Taylor Swift about her relationship with her mom, and her mom got some sort of illness, like it may be cancer. I don't remember, but anyways, so she's talking about that, and like for me, I'm not like a Taylor Swift fan, or like you know, but like it was kind of nice to see like the human side of her instead of just like her music and what she represents in that way. Right. But to see like her struggle with like what her mom was going through, like mm -hmm. anybody would, you know, if their mom went through something like that. And to me, it's kind of, it's kind of a silly thing to say, but it's like seeing somebody that you don't like and it's like, well, they eat food just like I do. You know, when they get a cut, they bleed the same way. Like everybody's human, but you forget that when you're, you're too distracted by what you disagree with. Right. I think it was uh, when we had Drew Dick on, he said he loves to, like, if he disagrees with somebody, 
to meet up with them because then like when you meet up you're forced to like catch up like right. oh how is your family doing oh good right. and almost it puts that like it humanizes humanizes people. whereas if you're just on twitter or facebook like, you right. forget all of that yeah we have all the digital courage to just i mean we'll we're, people on social media can be nasty to one oh, another yeah. you know and i guarantee they wouldn't say three-fourths of the things right that they say online to someone's face you know but i think it's yeah and honestly one of the best things i've done is i don't have notifications to social media on my phone anymore and i spend very little time i try to restrict a lot of time on social media and i just don't fall into the trap of when somebody posts an incredibly one-sided thing and i'm like and and i'm not perfect i i you know i think even even like a year ago i think um I posted something like I responded to somebody's post and it was just like totally dismissed what I said. And just, you know, I'm like, that's just, okay. I'm not, I'm not doing that. You know, it's not the place. It's not, you know, and I'm just like, that's not the place to, you know, it's so easy to just um, hide behind our screens and say those things and we never have to interact or, or deal with the ramifications of those people, you know, um, I've had people that I've had conversation with on social media that then go and avoid me in real life because they don't want to have to own up to what they said. You know what I mean? Like, right. and, and vice versa. I'm, I'm like that too. I've, right. I've done, and I'm just like, yeah. And, and there's so many times when somebody, if they have issues with me or if they have an issue they want to talk through or they're going through something nine times out of 10, maybe even like 9.9 times out of 10, I'm like, Hey, let's just meet up and talk. Right. So much easier. Oh, yeah. I, I can read your body language. I can, I can understand you better. I can reword things if I was, if I was confusing, uh, you, you know what I mean? It's just like, right. it's so different. Um, we need, we have to be present. We do. You know, we have to be present. That's, we have to be incarnational, be around people. Um, I was listening to a podcast earlier this week. I listened to a lot of podcasts, <laughs> um, but it just talked about how we want progress without presence. Yeah. And I thought that like not presents, like Christmas right. presents, but presents, like being with somebody. Right. And I just think of oftentimes we're like that with God too, of like, yeah. you know, we want progress, but we're not in the presence of God, which we can right. kind of segue into that in a minute. Cause I, we got some cool stuff yeah. from that, but also that's true with like our relationships with people of social media is not a good substitute, right? but it can be good. So like we were just talking about today, um, we kind of interacted with somebody. We both listened to the Holy Post podcast and we interacted with the hosts on social media, which somebody else from Florida also interacted with uh, with us and them. Right. And we got connected via social media. Um, some cool connections happened with yeah. um, him, like this guy seeing some of your videos, yeah. really resonated with him. And then he showed us this conference that we're actually at. Right. And we're both here this weekend and we're actually meeting for the first time but all because social media connected us across states that we never could. So there's right. like great potential. So I'm not oh, yeah. anti-social media, right. but I'm like, I'm going to use social media to benefit me and the kingdom rather than I'm benefiting the system of social media. Right. You oh, yeah. I mean? It's a tool like anything else. You know, when right. it's used in its right medium, it can be really, really good. Or you can use it to tear people down. Right. Which is totally terrible. But 
Yeah, it's something that even I've had to be careful with, especially like because everybody goes through different like moods during the week, you know, mm-hmm. like there are some days that are better than others. And there are some things like you get upset about and it's like, oh, I just want to like put my feelings on social media because somebody's going to see it and like resonate and be like, yeah. Right. And it's like, but it always has this lackluster, like it never has the thing that you think is going to like create. Right. And, and the thing is, it's such a short term uh, feel it never matches what you think. But the thing is, is that it's, well, unless you delete it, but really it's on your page or your, you know, digital footprint forever. You know right. what I mean? So it's like for a very short term, you know, feeling, so to speak, it has long term effects, you know. And so to me, it's like, is it really worth it? You know, and so I try like on my Twitter a couple of years ago, I got like I unfollowed a bunch of people <laughs> that right. like would just post weird stuff. And I purposely put it for like, like whether it's pastors that I follow or like people who post like good devotional stuff. So I know if I get on my Twitter, I mean, it's not perfect, but if I know if I get on there, most of it's going to be like life-giving stuff that's going to benefit and not just be a time of wasting time. So yeah, no, I, I I get that. Uh, I've done the same thing and probably could go through and do another wave of it, you know, and, um, (laughs) But kind of like totally abruptly switching topics. So this is kind of like the pothole buffet. We kind buffet. of we kind of jarringly go to a different topic. I think it's been really cool. I've been reading a lot of books about just things like following the way of Jesus, slowing down, um, simplicity. You know, and it's been really cool that you know something that I've was felt convicted for for a long time kind of for a couple of years that I've tried to do off and on, but it never stuck. Um, but this, after reading this one particular book, it kind of pushed me in the right direction. Um, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Anybody who hasn't read it, go get it and read it. It's amazing. But um, to get up in the morning, because it talked about every time, and I would be convicted every time I'd read the gospel, it'd see like, you know, Jesus got up early to be with his father. He went away to a solitary, lonely place, you know, to be, yeah. with, be with God. And, I was realizing like so much of my life was being burnt up on ministry and effort and time and people that oftentimes God would get like leftovers in the day or I would get a very short devotion that was not sustaining. And so I've been getting up early in the mornings to read scripture, to pray and to listen in silence. And that's just been such like a revolutionary thing in my life of, um, and it's not been like, it's not like I spend hours, you know, it's like I usually get up at like 6.30ish and spend the first 35, 45 minutes reading scripture, praying and listening. And then I go about getting ready for the day. And it's just been and you know, some days I pray longer than other days. Some days I read longer. Sometimes I listen longer. Um, But then I've also noticed that when I do that, I'm also praying and thinking about God far more often through the day. So I'm actually praying way more than I ever have. Yeah. And, and I felt, man, it's like, I just feel like God's been stirring things in my heart of just wanting to do like, like this idea of like contending in prayer mm-hmm. and especially just for my like ministry, I'll be sharing about this on Tuesday a little bit, but I just feel like God gave a word of, we, we have to be a people. I was listening, I mean, again, I was listening to podcasts, reading things. And I just feel like God was giving me this vision to like, God wants us to live a life of humility, lead our lives in humility, mm-hmm. you know, before people to find our strength 
in him through our weaknesses yeah. and then contend in prayer. And I haven't been able to shake those three things from my heart. Mm-hmm. And so I've been looking at that of like, how can I do that? And wanting yeah. to set up times with the ministry just to have a prayer room somewhere on campus to just be right. praying. Um, maybe even getting like a gathering of people of my friends and stuff who are just hungry to see God move. Like big yeah. reason why we're at this conference this weekend of like, we want to just see God do something in the ministry. Right. And I'm just talking about like how God, I feel like gave me like a, like a, this image of, I don't want to say vision. I don't, I don't, maybe it was a vision. I don't know. But like this image in my head of like a, you know how water looks right before it's getting ready to boil. Like you can mm, see the bubbles yeah. rising the water's not bubbling yet, but right. you can see that like the potential is just right there on the edge. Right. And at any moment it could just start bubbling over. Right. And I feel like God was saying, not just for our ministry, but just like that's where he's bringing the church into this hunger. And I think that's really true because there's a lot of Christians, especially young Christians, like, you know, we, like I'm working with college age um, kids a lot now is there's like this sense of like we want God, but we're tired and we're not really sure how to do it. You know, it's like this, right. like I want God, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, I don't know. There's like something in the way. And I feel like right. God was saying like, I'm I'm about ready to just bubble over, right? you know? And I'm just like, I think contending in prayer is going to be what sets the heat up a little bit more mm, to send it yeah. over. So um, that's personally what I've been looking at here recently. I've been reading um, a good book, like Andrew Murray, A Prayer Life. Mm. Um, super good. But just talking about like, I'm just looking at things there of like, how can I begin to contend in prayer and take that seriously and fight for mm. something and I just feel like God wants to do that. I feel like God does want to, you know, our national director in Kaiafa has been talking about wanting this um, great student awakening to happen, like that God's yeah. on the verge of that. And I don't think it, I don't think it's just students. I think God yeah. wants to move in his whole church and awaken. And um, yeah. so I'm hungry for that. God's been doing some cool stuff and it's all been kind of spurred out of going back to simple basics of mm, devotion yeah. time, prayer, and silence yeah. before God. That's where all this has been getting to birth. And I feel like God spoke to me in the last two weeks than he has in the last several years, honestly. Yeah. And um, it's been awesome. I've been more happy. I've had a better attitude. I don't know, just everything about it. It's not Obviously, it's not all about flowers and happiness and whatever, right. but like I felt genuinely content in my life with that. Yeah. And, um, it's just been cool to see God working yeah. through that. And it's not like I, you know, spending five hours <laughs> on my knees praying, yeah. which I hope one day maybe I could get to something like that. Right. But God's just been like taking that obedience to seeking after him. And um, there's just nothing like it. There are some people at Northside, I won't name drop, but um, uh, I was with a couple of ladies on Tuesday Mm-hmm. And we um, they took me to a couple of like the homeless shelters in Muncie, and we went out to eat, and it was a really fun time. I really enjoyed it. Um, but we were driving, and an ambulance went by, and um, it was like without escaping a beat. One of the ladies that was with us just like, "Oh Lord, thank you for emergency responders, like people going to help," you know. Mm-hmm. And it was later on during the day, something else happened, and like a similar you know, like prayer, you know, and she didn't like shout it. It was just kind of like a quiet, like to herself. And I thought, wow, just like the prayer life that she has, Mm -hmm. she sees that like need and like, oh God, thank you so much that somebody's doing like her instinct when she sees it is right away, like thanking God or talking to him, you know? And I thought, wow, what a testament 
to like what a life with God looks like. Right. You know, you're just saying like when you spend time with God in the morning, man, you're constantly thinking about him all day long. Right. My heart's really been, and I was just talking to pastor about this of, and I, I, I get a real feeling too, that like God wants to do something. I think he's tired of like seeing us be in the status quo of like walking in the same steps we've walked and like being okay with being comfortable with what we're doing. Um, but yeah, just like I see people and obviously I don't know their hearts, but it's like some people I kind of fear for that are just kind of going through the motions. They go on Sunday morning. A lot of people call them like sleepy pew sitters, you know, but you know, whatever you want to, you know, call them, but just people who choose to be comfortable with just the bare minimum of what they think it looks like to follow Jesus. And it's so sad because, man, prayer is a time to benefit you. It's like God doesn't need you to, you know, be in prayer to him. Like, you know, God invests in us way more than we could ever give back to him. But it's like God's gift to us of wanting us to experience his presence. Like that's the whole point of wanting God wants us to talk to him because he wants to give us what it means to be with him. And which is such a beautiful picture, but I think it has to come to a moment of like, do you really love Jesus and value him in your life? Because if you don't, then prayer is going to seem like a burden instead of like a great opportunity to grow. You know, it's kind of like, you know, hanging out with, you know, a friend or like, like I love hanging out with you, you know, and if I didn't like hanging out with you, it'd be like a burden. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But I think that's the same kind of thing. Like if you really, really love Jesus, like... Like the like our lady from the, our church who like man every moment she just found an opportunity to thank God or talk to Him man that's what real love relationship looks like yeah so and I just really I really long for people who are just kind of okay with the bare minimum and I really feel like God has a lot of grace to show to those people like they've been right. kind of like in the Bible with the Israelites how many times they you know chose right. idols over God but time after time. God's like, I'm going to draw you to myself. Like, you are my people. You haven't shown me any love or honor, but I'm going to extend grace to you. Well, and even like the reality of like, you know, talking about people that are sleepy, and then we look at our own state of our life, and we're like, I'm one of those people. Right. Oh, I know. Like, I'm like, yeah. yeah. And that's kind of where I got to was like, I was in this devotion of life. Like, I wasn't falling away from the Lord. I wasn't not serving the Lord. It was just kind of like, in some ways, going through motions, in some ways, like, almost going through like tire tiring motions of like, I'm getting really burnt out, tired. I don't know what else to do. And it was just like that book I was just mentioning with Andrew Murray. Um, he was talking about the sin of prayerlessness and talking about how, you know, we're, we are all about wanting to like the churches to grow and to send people on missions and to go on mission and, and reach people beyond, but we haven't even spent time with God to, like and so what what happens is we're we're working out of what the bible calls our flesh and so then it's like there's no actual real power in it and we don't see the results and i just think of like man what would it look like if every church in america every chi alpha group every ministry just like met multiple times a week to contend and seek god in prayer over these mm-hmm. things like yeah. actually gathered, not just like out of duty, but like out of a desire of like, we have to, yeah. that inner sanctuary of praying to God has to be like 
the launching pad to all ministry, to all relationship with God. And I was sharing the story with you this morning. I was reading that book and they said in 1898, so this is before even 1900. A couple of years ago. Yeah, a couple of years ago. 1898. So over 100 years ago. Right. Like 120, 130? Yeah, something. Yeah, something like that. About 120, I think. Oh, that, 130. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Right. Over 100 years ago, they 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 were writing this. This guy said that it was like this minister head of a presbyter, uh, presbyter thing in New York went to this conference, got fired up, you know, got really like burdened and passionate about the word of God and ministry, reaching people. And he went back to this like group of, of pastors and he didn't say how many were in the room, um, but it made it sound like a good number of people Yeah, and said the importance of prayer and spending time with God. Like how many people have been spending at least 30 minutes with in connection with God in prayer a day? And Nobody rose their hand. Maybe one, he said. Mm. Actually, I don't think I don't think he said any. I think he said nobody. And then he said, okay, what about 15 minutes? And two or three hands went up. Wow. And then five minutes, and most hands went up after that. And he said, man, we want to see God's kingdom come, you know, yeah. air quotes, but right. we don't even spend any time with God. And then he said one person came to him and said, I'm grieved to say I can't even say for certain I've spent even five minutes a day yeah. with God. Wow. And he's like, and just talked about how it grieved him, his lack of devotion to God. Yeah. And I just think like, that's not a guilt trip. Right. Like, so like, if you're feeling guilty, it's like, that's not the point. It's that we can't do this. Right. Without God. Like we can't right. abide. Like part of that abiding with God, like it says, Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. Right. And I'm just like, I don't think we believe that. Yeah. Yeah. I know that I don't believe that all the time. Yeah, you know, same. my wife shows it right. and my life, not my wife. Maybe my wife shows it sometimes that I don't believe that, <laughs> but it's like, I, you know, my life will, will, will like reflect that. Like when you live a prayerless life, it shows, Yeah, you know, and I, oh my, and yeah. I think I realized that. And I think like now I've like, began to experience God speaking and like grow, like growing me and I'm spending more and more time with prayer. I'm not where I want to be. I want to continue to grow more and more and more. And I'm just like, this is the life God wants for us yeah. all. And yeah. I'm like, I'm nowhere even close to the top. I'm like, I think I feel like I've, I almost feel like in some ways I've just began to climb the mountain. Right. And I'm like, this is incredible. I'm like, yeah. it's not like I'm, I don't suffer hardship or anything like that. Like I definitely am. But it's like I, it weighs differently on me now, right. you know, and talks about like, you know, Jesus, when he talks about my burden is easy and light. Yeah. So it doesn't, but it, but there's still a burden, right? you know, so it's not that, it's not that you just have an escape, but you have like a different yoke to wear and you carry life differently now yeah. than before. And I feel like I've been experiencing that. Yeah. I've had to really come to grips too, now that I work in a church of getting a better prayer life. Cause I always, I mean, I don't do a great job all the time either, you know, which is very ironic. Cause it's like, as a, you know, I'd help lead the youth. I teach them like, yes, we need to talk to God, you know, and like drawing close to him. And of course, hopefully that's every pastor's, <laughs> you know, ministry goal. But yeah, like if I'm not really seeking God on my own, right. that's that's the definition of being hypocritical. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, I really had to really buckle down and be like, man, the person that I am, not only to the youth kids, but also my friends, my family, because we influence the people around us, whether we like it or not. 
I mean, a lot of that comes through the type of person I am, which is going to be what kind of prayer life do I have? Right. Because I can't do it on my own, and it shows when I'm not in prayer with God. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, the whole thing of our faith is to be in communion with God, and prayer is like the number one, you know, yeah. way to do that. And if we're not doing that, then, man, what's the, what are we doing? Right. <laughs> you know? And it, I know it's easier said than done. But man, if you really want, I had to like look at myself. If I really want this to be, you know, important in my life, if I want to see this in other people, then, oh my goodness, I better be doing it myself, you know? And you know, the more I live by myself and the more that I, I was really questioning God of like, man, why am I living by myself? Because I don't always particularly enjoy it. But man, the more that I've like chosen to spend time in prayer and reading his word, He's really just kind of shown me some of the flaws in my own life that I don't think I would have recognized if I didn't live by myself for a certain season. Yeah. And it's like, I so many Christians, I mean, you've heard of this, they have questions, they go to pastors, I don't know why this is happening in my life, you know? And sometimes their first instinct is to run to like a spiritual leader, which I'm not saying is bad, but to me it's like, well, have you talked to God about it? Have you really yeah. seeked his face? Saw it. Because <laughs> he's the one that, I mean, there's a reason for everything. And maybe if you choose to just spend time with him, he'll reveal that to you. I mean, maybe not, right. you know, but you know what I mean? It's yeah, really just like seeking after him. I think um, something, it's a truism that goes around Chi Alpha a lot that says like what you do in moderation, your people will do in excess. Mm. but I think it also it's like that principle of like you can't really lead someone further than you are and yeah. so honestly I, I just kind of have this idea of like man who I am in private before God is what I'm actually discipling into people yeah you know because yeah. they're not because like you might be saying the right things like right. you know hey to have a prayer life with God to reach beyond to love the least of these yeah but there's no um, there's no authority there because right. it's not true of your life, you know? And I think that's what gives you, like, weight to your words is when your life actually matches those words. Right. Like, when your life is actually, you know, obviously it's God's authority. Like, we have no authority by ourselves. It's the authority God's given us. But there's a certain kind of authority that comes with a life that actually lives what is taught, even when it's hard, and repents when it's not, yeah. and corrects, you know? And so that's... That's me, man. Like I've I've just been repenting Same. a lot recently yeah. and changing a lot of my habits to just to even if it means giving up other things that are good, like just to be able to seek after God and yeah. um, just to be able to hear from Him more. It, like it costs something, but man, it's worth it. So it um, yeah, we really encourage our listeners here. Like um, if that's really resonating with you, if you just feel like God wants to do something in you through you in this community. Uh, we just invite you to contend in prayer with us. It's something we're going to commit to of yeah. of praying for, of like God awakening um, a spiritual hunger in in us, in our yeah. churches, in our Kaiafa ministry. Uh, I just believe like you know, and part of the speakers to this weekend is I think that's part of the topic is like this spiritual awakening. Yeah, um, this is going on all over the. I mean, just hearing these stories. I had a friend who leads worship, and it's in a Quaker church actually. So it's not mm-hmm. Quaker. Um, in the sense of like the super Quaker church where it's like they're dead silent, like they, cause they have a worship band and stuff, gotcha. but they're usually more reserved in worship. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, more pensive, reflective. They were like down 
at a, like an altar call this last week and they were like crying out to God and praying, like speaking in tongue. Like, I mean, it was like wow. this incredible like moment of God pouring out in an unlikely place like that right. with like in a Quaker church of all places. Right. And I think like God's doing that all over the place. So I just feel like God's beginning to like bubble over and, and set people boiling, right. you know, so I'm ready for that. I'm asking that God uh, will do that. Yeah. And so, and I think God loves, I mean, he loves broken hearts and yeah. prayer really is, you know, coming to a place of like surrender and saying like, I can't do this by myself, I need right. God. So it's like that sense of brokenness, which is, I think that's why it's hard for people to go to prayer because you're really denying yourself right. you know, that posture. But man, God really, lo- he seeks people like that who are truly really like die right. to themselves to live for him. And it's like, there's, it's life, you know, like as I've been experiencing, like I almost felt bad because I never did this. I was like guilty. But then as I've been here, it's been nothing but good and beneficial and like life giving. And right. I'm like, that's God's heart is he wants to give us life. Yeah. You know, so so surrender to the Lord. And um, yeah, that's that's really the only topics I had to talk about today. But just um, it's a good it's a good uh, stopping point. We're at 56 minutes. Or so, oh, wow. So we talked a lot. We talked than a I long thought. time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my recommendation this week has already been given the prayer life or a prayer life by Andrew Murray. Oh, um, that book's awesome. So yeah, I've been listening to. Um, so do you know the band Echo Smith? Yeah, yeah. I really like their. St- they're actually going on tour with For King and Country oh, in the cool. summer, which I'd love to see, but they're not coming anywhere close. Naturally. Yeah, but uh, they have a new album that came out like a couple months ago or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like it. I think it's got a lot of good like messages. There's a like the main the album's called Lonely Generation, and it kind of talks about you know like social media and stuff. But I love one of the lines. It says like we're all looking in the wrong place for something right. Which I think is really true because, like, we do go to social media to find that, like, inclusion community, you know, feeling of worth, which is, you know, a good thing. We're just looking, like, in the wrong place for it. Yeah. Um. So I think they're Christian. Like, their music isn't, like, per se Christian. But, like, um, I think they, like, they're very heavily influenced by Switchfoot, which is my favorite band. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, but their uh, album is really good. Some of their songs are, like, they have good messages. So it's worth checking out. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey guys, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to our random rambles <laughs> yeah. of of the of the week. But hope that you are are doing well. If you if those these things that we've been talking about today resonate with you, hey, shoot us a line either at our email yeah. potholepastors at gmail dot com on uh, f- on Facebook. If you're personal friends with us on our social medias, uh, you know, send us a message or whatever. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear like, what, what is, is God doing something in your life? Like, like kind of yeah. like, what well, do you have like a testimony to share? Like we'd love to, and maybe we could even, if we had permission, we could even share some of those testimonies and stories yeah. of, uh, yeah. what's God doing around, uh, around us and stuff. But, um, until next time, hopefully we will have a regular scheduled episode next yes. week and everything. But until next time, you know, share this podcast, give us a like, uh, leave us a review, share us with your friends, Absolutely. your church, small groups, everybody, everybody, everybody. But, hey, we'll uh, we'll catch you on the flip side, on the flippity flip, flippity flip. <laughs>